electricity, a big idea that's inspired countless new ones. From powering the light bulb to virtually powering our entire lives. 30 years ago, State Street launched the Spider S&P 500 ETF, SPY. A big idea that inspired the world to invest differently. And still does. What can you do with SPY? Before investing, consider the fund's investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit SSGA.com for a prospectus containing this and other information. Read it carefully before investing. SPY is subject to risks similar to those of stocks. All ETFs are subject to risk, including possible loss of principal. Alps Distributors, Inc. Distributor. Hey, good morning, everyone. Welcome to another Tech Check Plus. CZ, welcome. I'm thrilled that you are joining us today. Binance's CEO, how are you? Good, good. Thanks for having me, Deirdre. I'm guessing it's not as early where you are. A little bit later in the day? Yeah, it's 4.30 p.m. in Dubai. Okay, there we go. So uh, <laughs> very early here. Hopefully, you're winding down your day. Um, so I'm so glad to have you on this format. As I was telling you, it's a live stream. So um, it, Whoever's watching too on Twitter, on YouTube, I think we got to get these, this chat enabled, but write in with your questions, comments, we'll get them to CZ. Um, let's start with the big news. You guys, your US arm just raised its first funding round um, at a valuation of four and a half billion dollars. CZ, I want to ask you about this valuation. Um, your 24 hour trading volume is about a third bigger than that of FTX, yet you were valued at far less than that crypto exchange. Why is that? Is that a Binance issue? What what was the valuation? What went into that? So I think um, this is the first round of uh, uh, fundraising for Binance US. And um, so I think the valuation, we always want to leave some value on the table for the investors uh, so that we want there to be room for, for growth. And we don't want to realize all the full, full value. Uh, and also, uh, Binance US, um, I think compared to FTX, FTX is more heavily based in, in the US. So they may, I don't know, that, that may be a premium, but we actually don't, don't really strive for full, full maximum value on, on, each, on each race. Does any of it have to do with the sell-off that we have seen in public markets? I mean, Coinbase, as you know well, um, although I think in, in terms of at least trading volume, you're worth more, but public markets have not been kind even to crypto companies. Uh, I think the private rounds are less affected by by the public rounds. Um, I think the uh, most crypto value most crypto company valuations are still quite high. The multiples are quite good in the private rounds. Um, but for Binance US, no, uh, we want to get a few um, uh, strong investors who share the long term vision on board, and we want to leave value on the table. Yeah. And as you look towards an eventual IPO, I know that your US CEO Brian Schroeder said that that would be about two to three years. Is that right? Um, yeah, that's what we're hoping for, and um, that should also coincide with, you know, um, um, uh, uh, yeah, that, that's that's generally that's generally the, the the right time frame. Yeah. What do you want to be in place? How will you know it's the right time to go public in the U.S.? Um, I think uh, just more. Um, uh, well, uh, I think right now Binance U.S. has forty-five state licenses. Uh, we need to be we need to get to forty-eight or so. I think there's three states which don't require licenses, and then also just getting more users and getting more trading volume and having 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 broader reach to the users so how do you do that how do you increase users as i noted you're kind of in the middle uh your trading volume is far less than that at coinbase more than that at ftx your fees though are much lower than coinbase's how do you get more users onto your platform uh yeah so i think we typically employ a strategy where um we use low fees, um, so uh, we don't spend that much on advertising. Um, uh, that's just not in our mentality. Um, so we let other people advertise for the industry, and then when we raise money, we probably will uh, Binance US probably will go for a low, even lower fees, um, so that you know when uh, when they raise when we raise money, we just use that to 
uh, give back to the, to our users. Uh, we offer a much lower fee platform, and that's it's, it's basically as simple as that. Um, that's, but, yeah, but I have a. Sorry, yeah. Just ahead. on that point, CZ. So you guys don't plan to spend much on advertising marketing here in the U.S. because that is such a difference to other exchanges where we're really inundated with advertising. I mean, you look at the Super Bowl, and it was crypto companies spending tons of money. But you, you don't, you don't think you need to. I don't think we need to do. We need to do that. Um, I think. Um, I think advertising is great. Um, I mean, it, 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 um, it gives more exposure uh, to the to the mass consumers. Etc. But I think we want to focus much more on uh, products, service, and our users. Um, how to make it? How to just give directly to them? But how do you get the word out there then? Especially when this industry is in such early stages and people are coming to crypto for the very first time. Are you putting yourself at a disadvantage if you're letting your competitors advertise to that still massive group? Uh, yeah, I think that's not a problem. I think the word of mouth is still the strongest tool for uh, acquiring users. Um, I think that, um, when when people see an ad, they understand it's an ad. But when they hear from their friends that that, that they're using uh, Binance, etc., then that's a much stronger um, that's a much stronger um, uh, mental that's much more convincing for them in our experience. So we just we just focus on building a great product at, and offer them at the lowest fee possible, um, and that typically works. But as you kind of mentioned, FTX may be getting a premium because it's an American company. Do you think that even here, American companies have the edge? Um, I think there, is, there may be a little bit of an edge. Uh, we are not so concerned about what other people do. Um, so, you know, it's good for them that they get a higher valuation or a premium. If, the, if that's the case, I'm actually not, not too sure. Um, and we just, you know, we just do what we do and yeah. we continue to build our product. Okay, you're sounding very, uh, giving me Jeff Bezos vibes. I remember, you know, Amazon has famously never worried too much about the competition. Uh, CZ, I'm not sure if you heard that famous investor Jim Chanos, he was on our network a few weeks ago, and he said he was short Coinbase on the expectation of fee compression. He doesn't think that the company will actually be profitable this year. What do you say to that? I mean, there's so much competition here. I know that you have the lowest fees, but is this just a race to the bottom? Uh, I think on the fees, most likely it will be a race, but race to the bottom, uh, at least in the short term. So um, I think we are prepared to to do that race, and we may we, we may pro we most likely will lead it. So um, uh, we may cause that. And um, I believe that Binance US have a very strong advantage in terms of the uh, it's very small team, uh, low, much lower cost base, and they should be able to. And with the fundraise, that they, they they should be able to sustain for a long time. So um, I think that's going to happen. Yeah. How do you become profitable? How do you make profits if it's if fees are raised to the bottom? Where else are you bringing in money? Uh, actually, so Binance US has been profitable uh, ever since, like uh, since a few months into their inception, like I think less than a year, uh, they became profit profitable. Um, the profit margins uh, are pretty decent now. With the fundraise, um, they, it's very easy for them to lower fees almost even to zero for like a few years. But in the long term, CZ, where are you earning money if you're if fees go to zero or near zero, what other products do you have where you're earning money? So I think for an exchange, um, uh, this, uh, you know, for a crypto business, there's many, many different ways to earn money potentially. Yeah. Um, there's fees, um, there's staking interest earnings uh, on, uh, on holdings. We typically like to give all of that to the users because some cryptocurrency generates uh, uh, yields uh, mm -hmm. just by themselves. 
Um, but currently, I think in the U.S., there's some uh, legal or some reg regulatory restrictions uh, around that. Mm -hmm. uh, nobody's offering that. Um, there are other things like, you know, uh, margin trading, if we can offer that in the future. Um, margin, typically, uh, you can charge interest for people who borrow money. And then you can also pay part of the pay. We would like to pay most of that interest to the users who lend money to, uh, to, to, the, to the traders. So there's many, different, uh, there's many different models and the fees doesn't need to be that high. I think if you run an efficient business, you can be very, very low fees. Okay, but what you just said is sort of you prefer to get the yield to the customer. So my question is, where does Binance make money? If you guys are going to IPO in two to three years, what are you showing investors in terms of profitability? Or do you think that even two, three years from now, that'll be too early. Investors won't demand profits. Um, I think what, well, so what I said is typically we would make a little bit of money uh, for, uh, so we, I, we, we probably will not go to completely zero fees. Uh, we may do that for a period of time, um, but we'll just charge a very lower, much lower fee. And on the interest rates, um, the borrowers will probably char uh, have to pay a, a higher interest rate than what we give to the lenders. So we, again, charge a little bit of a difference. Uh, and that, that, that should be sufficient. I think in so two to three years, yeah. The, go ahead. No, I'm sorry. Go ahead. In two to three years, the profit pressure is not going to be that high. Okay. Because you will be making profits? I think that, yeah, I think the company okay. will, will, will be, will, number one, will be sustainable. They also have investors who are, who are, who are giving them pretty decent money, like a couple hundred million dollars, in, in, even, in this, in, in, even with this low valuation. But what you're talking about, CZ, is, you know, at its core, a price war. And you're saying that you could go to zero. Do you, are you aiming to put other platforms, other exchanges out of business? Uh, well, no, we, again, so we actually want other people to be, we also want other uh, exchanges to be um, uh, growing. I think the industry is so small, um, we're, we're nowhere near saturation point. We don't, we don't need the other exchanges to do, to do badly uh, for, for one exchange to do well. Um, I think it's not a, um, uh, it's not a saturated market. Um, and also, it's, it's actually better to have multiple competitions so that we can drive the best uh, deals for the users. Um, so it's just natural. There is somewhat, there is somewhat of a natural competition. It's not, it's not. We want to kill the other guys. It's just that uh, every industry player should strive their, should work really hard and do their best to provide the best user, uh, best value to the users, and that's all it is. Okay, I want to move on to sort of the broader space. Um, crypto this year in 2022 has really been characterized by some of these massive hacks. There was Wormhole, Axie Infinity, which I know you guys know well, Qubit Finance. Um, isn't blockchain, isn't crypto the technology supposed to make cyber attacks more difficult to carry out? Would you say that this is sort of an accurate characterization of crypto in 2022? Uh, well, there's a few different things. Uh, I think people got to realize that uh, there's almost never 100% security. So uh, when people say there's 100% security, they probably don't really understand security. Mm -hmm. If a meteoroid hits Earth, then you know everything we have probably will be gone. Um, and uh, the Bitcoin blockchain has been very secure. Um, and it has been, you know, been around for 13 years and people have looked at all different kinds of ways to attack it. They have not been able to crack, uh, crack the Bitcoin protocol. Um, your own computer, um, it may not be that safe. Um, if you have a virus on your computer, um, if you have a wallet holding your Bitcoins on your computer, then you could easily lose that. Um, and today, most people cannot prevent their computers from getting infected by a virus. Uh, for example, most people don't have that technical ability to keep their computers completely clean. Um, there's new blockchains, new protocols, new smart contracts people make, uh, and sometimes they do contain security vulnerabilities. Um, it's software, it's code. 
So um, think, uh, uh, security problems do happen. And I think, you know, um, the, uh, the key is so that uh, hopefully when those things happen, we keep them at a small enough size that we uh, as an industry can tolerate that and move on. So um, that's what's happened recently with Axel Infinity. That one, though, was not a small vulnerability. And we should tell our audience as well that in the case of Sky Mavis, which is the owner of Axie Infinity, Binance led a $150 million round to reimburse victims. But talk about this attack in particular. I mean, I know what you're saying is there's different levels of um, cyber attacks, even within crypto, but this one really looked like a classical phishing attack. How can Sky Mavis and Ronin be truly decentralized if that can happen? I spoke to someone recently who said that maybe the network and Ronin just isn't that good. Um, my has basic, intrinsic problems. Yeah, so my uh, basic layman understanding of the uh, security attack is that it's one of the bridges that got that got hacked. So uh, it, again, it's you know it's software. Run, it, it's it's just software. Uh, sometimes software have bugs, um, and software that, that can be exploited. Um, so it just happened, and the amount involved is quite significant from a uh, um, you know from layman terms. It's like six hundred six hundred million dollars in U.S. dollar terms. Um, but um, uh, Sky Mavis, uh, Axel Infinity has been a very strong team. They delivered very, a lot more value than that to the industry and to and, and for themselves. Um, they're valued much higher than that. They just did. They just uh, uh, the entire company, the organization is valued at a few billion dollars. So um, they it's not it's not like you know uh, they created much more value than that. Um, it's just that cash wise, ETH wise, because they lost quite a lot of ether. Uh, ether wise, they may not have that, that cash right away, and if they buy on the open market, they may push the ether price up quite uh, uh, quickly. And you know we we, we help them to bridge that gap, and we want to we want to help protect strong projects and also protect their users. So CZ, what do you think is behind uh, what is driving? crypto prices and specifically Bitcoin and Ether, which is negative on the year? Um, I, I think fundamentally what drives prices in the long term is just utilities. Uh, um, if, if a lot of people use something, then it has value. Uh, more people use it, the higher the value. Um, so that, I think that's that's all it is to uh, in what we call utility value. Um, short term, there's a lot of you know market psychology, mm -hmm. news, FUD, positive news as well. So many different things. Yeah. Um, so there's obviously a lot of talk of regulation um, here in the U.S. And you even have you know comments from Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen this morning. What regulations would you put on DeFi if you were a regulator? Um, that's a tough one. Um, so DeFi is very hard to regulate because. Um, uh, anybody can deploy a smart contract on, on a blockchain, and when you start regulating one jurisdiction, people move to different jurisdictions. And you know, a, a, a developer in Russia or China can deploy a code uh, very easily. Um, I think I would say it's a bit too early to regulate DeFi. To be honest, I think we should let the industry grow a bit and then see uh, 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 what things are in place. I would recommend. But, but there's problems with, with regulating later. We've certainly seen that with the big tech companies. Don't we need some? Is you think it's impossible to put some kind of framework in place before the industry develops? Because often we've seen this in technology time and time again. Once it does develop, it's very hard to go back and regulate. Um, yeah, but um, I think, uh, but also without the industry developing uh, to some extent, you can't you can't foresee what kind of products they will be. Mm -hmm. um, 
So I think for DeFi, I think a, a simple registration process to identify who's who's behind the smart contract, uh, who's who's holding the keys for certain things. Are there security pr processes in place? Um, those things I think are probably um, uh, a good to start with, and then let's evolve from there. Okay, and then let's go back a step. If you were a U.S. regulator, how would you regulate crypto exchanges? Uh, again, so I, I would. Uh, so I think we are still pretty early in the process. Um, I honestly, if it was for me, I would highly recommend setting up a new agency to regulate cryptocurrency exchange or, or just the crypto industry. The U.S. have a lot of crypto. Uh, have a lot of regulatory bodies. But most of those regulatory bodies are responsible for a existing legacy, what we what we call legacy industry. Yeah. Um, they are. They need to take care of the interests of the existing players, like banks, uh, stock markets, etc. Um, those things are very different from what crypto players like to uh, or like to see or need, or, or what the crypto industry needs. Um, so sometimes they're same. Sometimes they're different. Um, I think the U.S. cares a lot, has a long history of caring about uh, KYC, AML, terrorist, uh, terrorist attacks, etc. So those things are very important uh, when we can keep those things. But then the crypto industry has certain um, new uh, requirements or, new, or differences um, mm -hmm. that currently um, the mindset of existing regulators are still, still attached to the existing industries. Um, that's our recommendation, but it's quite difficult to, to do in a large country like like the U.S., I think. Yeah, it's an interesting recommendation. Who would lead that agency? Do you think that SEC chair Gary Gensler would be a good person? Um, yes, he regulates traditional finance, but he does have, you know, good experience in crypto. Um, actually, I, I think he would be a fantastic person, but right now he needs to protect the stock market. So um, I think if you if we give him new mandates, say, look, how do we grow this crypto industry? He has a fantastic understanding of the crypto industry. Um, so, but um, right now he's he has to, he has to wear two hats. Um, <laughs> so, so, who would yeah. make up this new agency? Who do you think they should look for? What kind of experience would be needed if you were going to create a new agency in the U.S. specifically to regulate crypto? So, ideally, somebody who has a lot of experience uh, with tech. Um, uh, so, mm -hmm. because crypto industry is very tech heavy. Um, and somebody who's very open-minded. Um, so, um, yeah, so I don't know all the players in the U.S., to be very frank, but uh, this is the similar recommendations we give to countries all around the world. Just right. form a new agency. That's better. That's interesting. Okay, I want to um, move on to sort of Web3 more broadly. Um, what do you think about Web2 companies entering Web3? Do you think that they can do so in a meaningful way? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I think uh, I think uh, any business can benefit from using uh, Web3 crypto in, uh, cryptocurrencies, decentralization. Um, uh, uh, startups can leverage that um, and existing businesses can leverage that. Uh, you know, newspapers can can do that. Um, uh, our music industry can do that. Sports industry can do that. Um, gaming industry can, can, do, can do that. Real estate industry can do that. So I think uh, Web2 companies are ex aware, already uh, have an advantage because they most Web2 businesses are global. Um, you know, it's a website. Um, just add crypto to it. Does that compromise Web3 principles? If you have a Web2 company built on the basis of centralization, pave the way. Should they be new companies if it's going to be Web3? Does that uh, create any problems? Uh, no, I think I think in a decentralized environment, we should never exclude any centralized party. Now, mm -hmm. if we have a lot of different centralized parties, that is decentralized. 
if you only have one, uh, if there's one monopoly, like, you know, uh, Amazon pretty much owns the e-commerce market, yes, uh, then that's less decentralized. But in a decentralized world, you cannot force people to decentralize. Okay. In the decentralized world, it should be like, okay, look, if, if, the, if the guy, if the business has strong network effect and they were able to win uh, users over and over again, um, that's, the, that, uh, uh, that's their strength. And um, uh, you, uh, for you know, decentralized world, if you complain about that, you should, you, should, you, should, you should find out what they're weak on and offer a better alternative. Um, so you know, decentralized, uh, uh, the, the definition of a decentralized world is that no one, con no, no one should control the industry by saying, hey, look, I'm going to break up Amazon or I'm going to break up this large player. Right. But when we talked earlier about regulation, you said that maybe, you know, decentralized finance, there should be one person that has to register. That is at odds with what you're saying. Uh, no, I think, uh, so uh, what I said is, um, I would recommend uh, if we want to start to re uh, regulate DeFi, the first step would be to let, let people register uh, as DeFi funders if they want to. Um, and that's multiple projects registering. Um, that's not... Um, um, that would be a recommendation to be to make the industry more transparent. Okay. Uh, but um, to be honest, in real in real life, it might be pretty hard to enforce. <laughs> um, and I, I got to ask you: um, Do you have any thoughts on Elon Musk buying nine percent of Twitter and joining the board? Do you think that there is a Web three play here? Oh, I, uh, so number one, I think it's a fantastic that he's uh, he's involved in Twitter now, um, and he's a big Twitter uh, user, and he has tons of fans. Um, and uh, I also think that, uh, yes, absolutely. Um, uh, luckily, both Jack Dorsey and him are quite uh, early, well, understanders. Um, they and understand the crypto. Yes, uh, and the current CEO. So um, I think that's definitely a Web3 play for Twitter. Um, and to be honest, man, most of the global uh, crypto community congregates on Twitter. So um, <laughs> we'll, we'll call crypto Twitter. Um, so yeah, I think that that's definitely a play there. What does a Web3 Twitter look like? Well, I think this nobody know, knows what Web three really is, but I, I, there's many things crypto could do. Oh, Twitter could do. Um, well, there's tipping, which they are they are already like playing with. Um, there's NFTs, like you can NFT, NFT your uh, your tweets. Uh, I think more fundamentally, they can probably just remove all ads and just just uh, they could they could potentially issue a token and use that to incentivize their users and have a, economic business models in place. Um, so there's uh, there's many many different things they could do. Yeah. What do you think the implications are for free speech? We know that um, Elon Musk um, has been tweeting a lot about it. Do you think that decentralized blockchain could kind of finally take the issue of content moderation out of the hands of executives? What Do you think that that is something that maybe Elon Musk and Jack Dorsey are looking at in Prague Agrawal? Uh, yes, so I'm sure that well, I'm sure Elon's Elon Elon's a big I I think Elon's a big guy on free speech, and I think that's very important. Um, uh, but in in practice, it's not that simple when you're running a centralized platform. Twitter is still a centralized yeah. platform, and even with decentralized platforms, if you let free speech go completely wild, if you look at the comments on any of my tweets, that's like uh, any anytime I open my comments to anyone can can comment. There's tons of bots uh, that are scammers, mm -hmm. uh, spammers. Um, do you moderate that or not? I would love for that to be moderated uh, more heavily to to push really? out the spam. Uh, like. The, the, like my my tweet comments, if I open up, like it's 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 it's, it's painful. But what about so, the further implications of that? Do you think that certain people, like former President Donald Trump, should be taken off Twitter? 
Right. So then uh, that comes uh, when you start to moderate, then that that has like, well, what about? Mm, so there will always be differences in opinions on what mm -hmm. what which, what you should remove or not remove. That then the, um, but I do believe in to, in today's uh, world. Uh, so whether Donald Twitter should be uh, accounts should be blocked or not, I don't know. I I, I don't follow U.S. politics that that, that closely, to be very frank. Um, but when, but you either don't do moderation at all, which today will probably make the platform uh, fail. Uh, most people will leave the platform is if there's just tons of scammers um, and you don't police it at all. At all. Um, and it just creates a nasty user experience. But when you start to moderate, where do you stop? Uh, which is a question. So there's always a balance. Uh, there's no, if we do 100% free speech, uh, I, I think many platforms try to do that. And what you get is a very bad user experience, actually. Mm -hmm. um, I want to go to a few questions after this, but just to clarify at the top as well, when you said that Binance will go to zero or very little fees, are you guys planning on going to zero fees anytime soon? How long would that last? I'm not sure yet, to be to be honest. Like, so we're we're, we're just discussing that. So I may have jumped the gun a, a bit because you asked you asked about it. So uh, I don't have all the details, but we'll we'll work it out. I don't want to jump the gun on that. Okay, interesting idea. Let us know when uh, when you guys have that sorted out. Okay, a few. Uh, I want to do kind of like a lightning round question, CZ. I know you've spent a lot of time with us already, um, but I think these are kind of some user questions that people are interested in. The first one: What is your top project after? Finance Smart Chain, your your top project, yeah. Um, so I don't run that many projects in Binance, to be to be very frank. Um, so today I'm dealing, uh, I'm spending most of my time on regulatory compliance, etc. I think that's one of the uh, most immediate projects we need to get over. Uh, or um, and we're so that's kind of where I'm spending most of my time traveling, meeting deep with different regulators, etc. Okay, what is your favorite layer one blockchain? Uh, yeah, BNB chain. Second, <laughs> second, I like uh, uh, so I like all the top ones to be honest. You know, uh, Bitcoin, Ethereum, um, even um, like yeah. If you look at the top ten uh, or even the top one hundred, um, we we're very supportive. I'm generally supportive of all of them. You're being very diplomatic. I don't blame you, CZ. <laughs> okay, um, what will be the dominant stablecoin five years from now? Um, very hard to predict. Um, again, so I, uh, as an exchange, we're neutral. So we don't pick projects. We don't pick stable coins. Um, we provide what people use. Yeah. But you've seen Circle sort of Circle's market cap and its use case rise in recent months quicker than that of Tether. Do you think that that's a sign of more to come? Do you think that uh, Circle could unseat Tether as the dominant stable coin? Um, I think anybody can unseat anybody else. Uh, it's um, uh, I think it's great that uh, Circle is growing quite 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 strongly, and I think that's good to see. Um, we want to we want to have we want the industry and the users to have more, as many choices as they can. I think Circle uh, USDC is a very strong choice right now, which is fantastic. Okay, um, I don't know. Have you heard of Zuckbucks? Have you been reading about it? Facebook's Mark Zuckerberg's um, idea of a digital currency. Actually, I haven't read too much about it, to be to be very frank. <laughs> okay, so no no opinion there. Um, what no. about Miami Coin? Um, I did look. I did read about it a little bit, but I think it's still quite small. So I think it's very interesting for cities to issue issue their coins. Um, the key is to add as many utilities as, as you can uh, to 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 whatever coin that you have. So I think right now my Miami Coin is still pretty early. 
Um, but um, I did uh, when I heard about it, I did actually search about it and read read about it for like you know um, for a little bit. So um, we want to be very supportive. Do you own any NFTs, CZ? Uh, I have like three or four NFTs mostly given to me. Um, I, I'm not a collector, so I'm not an art guy. I'm, I'm also not a trader, so I don't really trade. Um, so um, yeah, so I, I I haven't really bought my own NFTs. Do you think they're good investments? Uh, well, I think um, in any new industry, like you know, not, uh, the majority of them will, will fail. Um, there will be a few successful ones that will that will increase in value in the, in the long term uh, exponentially. So uh, it's always tricky to to know which ones they are. What about sports NFTs? Do you think that they're interesting and in the long run they're going to be legit? Um, I think so. I think well. I uh, I think there's definitely a use case for NFTs with sports. Um, you can do uh, ticketing, you can do merchandise authentication, um, you can uh, and you can have uh, IPs, etc. So um, NFTs, the technology, I believe, will stay, and it opens up doors for many use cases, uh, which is fantastic. Um, so I think in sports, NFTs can be used very heavily. Last one for you, CZ. Um, which which different kinds of crypto? I don't know if you can answer this. Which crypto do you hold? Uh, it's very simple. Um, I hold uh, BNB and BTC. Uh, I bought that's BTC it. in 2014. Um, that's it. I still hold them. And then I have BNB um, uh, myself, and that's it. I only hold I only hold those two. Interesting. Why is that? I don't have time to look at other crypto. Like most people think, I know a lot. I know every crypto out there, but that's not true. I I, I got a company to run. Uh, <laughs> I got regular. I got regulators to talk to. I got like you know prime ministers. To to talk to. So I actually don't have time to research, read about different cryptocurrencies. I actually don't recommend, um, for most people, I don't recommend people to hold more than five to 10 cryptocurrencies. Because if you hold less than five, you pretty you can pretty much follow the company and follow those projects very carefully. And whenever there's a piece of news about them, you can understand the implications. Um, and you can, know, you, can, you can know the founders' personalities uh, to at least to some public extent. Um, when you follow, like when you invest in fifty pro, uh, coins, you, you you have a very superficial understanding of each coin. You basically mm -hmm. just, unless you're a very good technical analyst, we can read charts and stuff like that. Uh, only ten percent of people can do that very well. So I actually recommend people to not hold a large number of coins, but follow three or four, three to five coins that you really like and invest in those. Yeah, that's practical. Good practical advice, CZ. What about crypto-focused funds that are like Sequoias or Bain Capital that? are focused on investing in all sorts of different kinds of tokens. Is it okay in that case because they have bigger teams? Yeah, yeah. So for those guys, those guys are professional investors and yeah. they also know they also know how to deal with risk. Um, so they invest in internet companies and 99% of them fail. And one, the 1% that's successful bring them to where they are today. Those guys have much higher risk tolerances and they know what they're doing. So we, yeah. don't, we don't need to worry too much about them. Um, finally, CZ, you said you're spending most of your time on regulation, speaking to world leaders. Are you planning a trip over to the US anytime soon? Maybe go to Washington to speak to some of the regulators and leaders there? I definitely hope so. So, but, um, so the way I view the world is in the US, there's like, you know, a few strong players like uh, doing all the work in the US already. And US is quite good in terms of banking support for cryptocurrency exchanges. That's US is actually leading the world. Yeah. US is a little bit limited on um, the product offerings. Um, and I think the, so many of the US guys are working very hard on that. Uh, whereas the rest of the world, uh, very, uh, there's not a, enough people working on the rest of the world, which, you know, um, I've been trying to do that part a little bit. But I definitely hope to make a trip to the U.S. very soon.
Well, keep us posted. We'd love to have you on CNBC in person. Uh, CZ, thanks for spending time with us. I think we went more than half an hour. Um, so thank you so much. We covered a lot of ground and we hope to talk to you again soon. Life is a highway and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one McCrispy. So go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour.